0: everybody ready let's get rolling This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
1: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sounds of the week right there brought to you by RGS Exteriors. They will improve the curb appeal for your house with James Hardy brickstone and stucco exteriors, along with softened fascia and rain gutters. Check them out at RGS Utah Siding Dot com. Gordon, we're going to uh, talk to uh, Dan Lohman coming up here momentarily, director of the movie The Clown Prince of Basketball documentary about Hot Rod Hunley, who passed away five years ago today. So we'll talk to Dan coming up here in a moment. I I still haven't recovered from your your not sports report. I can't believe the whole buildup was to a, a cow joke.
0: Well, I mean, it, it, there was more to it than just that. That was just like the exclamation point.
1: You know, this whole no sports thing, I, I feel like it's dangerous for you.
0: <laughs> you think, really? I, I feel uh, like it
1: it, it, it it at least sends the signal to you that you have the freedom just to make, you know, seven, eight, nine minute <laughs> cow jokes.
0: Uh, it was a one week moment. All right. all right. All right. 7 minutes worth a week. <laughs> I I apologize
1: week moment. Yeah. Do
0: I do I need to self-flagellate here to make it right?
1: I I I don't think you need to flagellate at all. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Although no, we sorry. are social distancing, so you know, I'm not in the same room. <laughs> Uh, so maybe a, you know you flagellate all you want, Gordon. Go right ahead. <laughs> I think you're getting
0: your words. Mixed oh, am up. I? Am
1: I? Yeah, in so. Different meeting there. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. I I I'll, I'll try to do better.
1: Okay. Good. That's all we can ask, Gordon. Uh, that's all we can ask. Uh, Daily drops coming up at five thirty. Stay tuned for that. I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet today, Gordon. Have Have you been giving it no. some thought? You no, I have been giving it thought, but I
0: haven't settled on anything yet. But I have one in mind that I'm considering. But I'm not absolutely sure of it yet but i would really encourage our listeners to stick around for that because that's pretty fun stuff
1: all right let's uh let's jump out to the sprint special guest line lease any phone and get an ipad or a samsung tab a for 99.99 visit the sprint store nearest you joining us now he directed the hot rod hunley documentary on amazon prime he is dan loman with us here on the big show dan thank you very much for a few minutes how are you doing
2: doing well thanks guys thanks for having me on
1: you're welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us. And it's it's kind of crazy to think that Hot Rod passed five years ago today. It certainly does not feel like that long ago. But talk to us a little bit. Give us an overview of uh, of the documentary and what folks can check out.
2: So yeah, it, it is amazing. That's been five years um, since he passed away. And at about the time that he did pass away is when I, I really uh, started to look into who Hot Rod Hundley was uh, behind. Uh, the scenes, who was he uh, behind the voice of Utah Jazz. And uh, there's just, there's a lot of depth to who Hot Rod was. He had a lot of darkness in his childhood that I think at times was kind of glossed over. Uh, people did mention that he had a hard life, but I don't know if they really knew just how hard it was. And that uh, tough upbringing that he had really shaped who he became for the rest of his life. Uh, we were able to talk to his three daughters, who were incredibly open, uh, about who Hot Rod was and uh, who he became uh, as a person uh, in their life and also out of their life. So there's a lot of texture to the documentary. Uh, We did not, uh, this is not a fluff piece about Hot Rod. Uh, We wanted to be as totally open and honest as we could about who the man was. What of
0: all the things that you came across is one of the more interesting uh, aspects to the whole uh, to, to his journey?
2: I think the uh, I think the darkness that kind of stuck with him for a, for a long period in his life, uh, although people knew him as this outgoing, gregarious, um, incredibly upbeat uh, person. He always had kind of a darkness that tugged at him. Um, there were certain things that he would do. Uh, he was known as uh, America's guest, and if you were ever out with him, um, you were going to be buying the beers that night. He wasn't <laughs> going to be laying down any money. So, uh, but as people talk about, you know, that that probably tied back to who he was as a child. That he he literally at times did not know where his next meal was going to come from. So, I think that darkness as we as we dipped into that and talked to people, especially his three daughters, and how open they were about that um, that was that was really a an eye opening piece of the documentary for us.
1: How did the family feel about the finished product with the documentary after it was released?
2: Um, honestly, they loved it they they really really enjoyed it um, they were very appreciative of the time that we took to research every part of of hot rod and who he was um in front of the camera and at his house and with his family and uh, back at his time at west virginia university Uh, we, we tried to uh read every single thing we could about hot rod and they were they were very thrilled with the outcome um and just the the emotional um, the emotional roller coaster that it is, uh, that the documentary is, and that's not something we went in with uh, a feeling of or, or any kind of predetermined script to say this is. You know, we're going to make this a roller coaster. That's how it was. That's what his life was, and it just went up and down. And a lot of people have told us they laugh during the documentary, they cry, um, and, and it just it, it's a wide range of emotions
0: i can relate to some of this what you're saying here because when you delve into the life of an individual sometimes that individual if he's living uh wants only the best things to be put forth or the family if they're if they're gone and all that they they want it to be like a public relations glossy uh portrayal but the real interesting aspects are these battles that you're talking about and really it brings more power it brings more honesty it brings more effect on those who watch it because they can't relate to somebody who just lives this perfectly pristine life because nobody does and so when you present something the way you guys did here I I think it is a service, not just to the man himself, but uh, to those who are absorbing and
2: trying to understand
0: uh, who
2: this man was. I think that's a great point. That's a great point about it, because there, there are no perfect families. There are no perfect individuals, and every family has its flaws. And as much as we want to take these stars of of the pro sports leagues at the college level of our announcers of all these people we want to put them on a pedestal and and we want to think of them in a certain way but everybody has issues everybody deals with something and so to be able to pull back the layers on who hot rod was i think it gives a deeper appreciation later now than even when people loved him when he was he was calling all those those utah jazz games um all the catchphrases that people still say i think that people now maybe appreciate who hot rod was uh and in a different light um they can see that this was a man who dealt with a lot of things throughout the course of his life and i think that that's that only as you said it's it's something would be a disservice if you just acted like well he as we said before, I've seen pieces that would say, but "Hot Rod grew up on the hard, scrabble streets of Charleston, West Virginia," and then it's like a it boom, boom—it goes into his college career. It's like, no, no, no. There's, there's a whole lot there that affected him for the rest of his life.
1: Dan Lohman is with us, uh, director of the Hot Rod Hunley documentary on Amazon Prime. Is there something, you know, for jazz fans out there, uh, is there something that stood out to you maybe that you learned that you did not know about him or that maybe fans would not know?
2: That's a good question. I, I would say probably the complexity of the relationship that he had with his family, with his three daughters and with his wife. And that isn't something that was talked about a whole lot. Um, The daughters, you know, they moved with with him to New Orleans when he took the New Orleans jazz job, and things were not working out there. And uh, the girls and his wife, Flo, moved back to Phoenix after a a period of time. And from that point forward, they never lived together again. Um, One of the poignant parts about the documentary was just how uh, one of his daughters Jennifer said you know the Utah Jazz fans knew my dad you know they, they heard from him every night I didn't because that's in the days of you didn't have internet you didn't have a way of being able to hear those games or see those games and so they kind of were picking up pieces about who their father was in different areas in a different time and in a different period of technology and so to hear the complexity of how they came to a resolution uh, about who he was and when he was fighting dementia and alzheimer's um that was that was really something um that we weren't expecting and when we sat down with the interview we didn't know where it was going to go with the three daughters and when they opened up about that that was something that that nobody was really prepared for
0: dan how did he develop into such a fine
2: broadcaster I think a lot of it was his natural ability to be a performer you go back to the, to the point of him being in junior high and high school and they talk about him that he was already entertaining he knew how to grab a crowd and some people just have the gift of gab but also other people just have a way of being able to draw you in and he had that and you can't teach that I don't think So he took that, and he ran with it. And one quote that I read from him when he was in college, the first time he performed a trick shot, um, he said when he heard the crowd react to it, he could feel it in his bones. So I think that that kind of became part of who he was as an announcer, that I think he really enjoyed everybody reacting to to him and his calls and his catchphrases. But the other thing, too, is, and this was pointed out by Dick Enberg in the film, is that he knew the game. He really knew the game. And there's very, very few people that go from being an NBA player or any kind of professional player to the play-by-play role. That's really difficult, and he did it wonderfully.
1: Uh, excuse me Dan Lohman is with us uh, director of Hot Rod Hunley's uh, uh, documentary there at Amazon Prime right here with us on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone what would you say is, is Hot Rod's legacy to this day or what will live on from him
2: I think it's you know it's, it's kind of divided interestingly between two parts of the country um, when the film rolled out I think there were a lot of people in West Virginia that had very little idea of how impactful he was in Utah uh, and to all the jazz fans. Uh, you know, I, I lived actually, I'm, I'm from Morgantown, mm-hmm. and I lived out in Salt Lake City for a period of time when I was working uh, the Olympics out there for, for television. And so I got a, a sense of that. So I think a lot of people here miss that. And, I, and it caught me when I was out there just how big of a figure he was. So I think you have one that side of it. And then conversely, on the flip side, is that the Utah Jazz fans maybe didn't know how big of a deal he really was at West Virginia. And and to this day, people talk about him uh, and all the things he did. To the point of when he had his number retired, he hits a hook shot and a full suit that's buttoned up, a 15-foot hook shot. So um, I think think the impact on both sides for both of those fan bases is, is something that people can take away.
0: Of all the the difficulties he faced in his life, Dan, what was the if you were to whittle it down to one biggest challenge that he had to overcome? What would you say it, what it is or was?
2: I think when he knew that he had an NBA career in front of him as a player, that he wasted away to some degree that he was partying so hard in that period of time that he realized later in life that he really screwed up a chance. And he wasn't going to do that again. And he got himself together after that run with the Lakers. And it wasn't bad. He still made made two NBA All-Star teams, but it was not what it could have been. And he openly admitted that. So I think that when he looked at that and said, I'm going to do something about this, and then became this Hall of Fame broadcaster, and so incredibly well-known from that point forward, uh, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing that, that he overcame. And as he looked back probably further in his life and he saw where he came from, I think it all kind of came together for him that he said, I've, I've got to do something. And He had a, he had a fork in the road, and uh, boy, did he ever capitalize.
0: What was the genesis of the nickname Hot Rod?
2: So, you know, if you go back initially... You know, we we named the film Hot Rod because it was just like what well, we were talking about, it and we we discussed you know, how do you how do you summarize this guy? What what was he? They're just like Hot Rod. You know, that's that's just who he was, and that, and that elicits certain you know images and thoughts. So if you go back further into when he was in college, people started to write about him in a certain way that his flair was of you know it was it was Rodney Clark Hunley, and then it became well he's he's plays like a hot rod. And in some of those articles, you start to see that name take off. And, uh, and he, he ran with it because, again, he was a performer. He knew how to put on a show. So uh, he, he was not one that was going to say, you know what, let's just call me you know Rod or Rodney. It was, he embraced it. Well,
1: Dan, we certainly appreciate a few moments of your time. Thanks for coming on. And our listeners, you know, we're, we're all spending more time at home in front of the television, and we'll make sure uh, we uh, chase them your direction.
2: I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the time.
1: Thank you, Dan. We appreciate you. Dan Lohman, again, uh, director of the Hot Rod Hunley documentary on uh, Amazon Prime. And I have not had a chance to see it, Gordon. Uh, and uh, maybe that's something I'm going to have to do this weekend because, yeah, it's uh, there was many kind of uh, facets to his life.
0: Well, when people, especially jazz fans here, like, like Dan was talking about, they think they know somebody because they spend a lot of time with them. I mean, he's broadcasting all these games. Remember those simulcasts they used to do? Uh, And uh, listeners and viewers uh, thought they were friends with Hot Rod. They thought they knew him. But there's all kinds of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. There's all kinds of complexities, like Dan was talking about, that folks have no idea uh, about So, uh, yeah, this is an opportunity to get to know Hot Rod a little better in in, in in a way that fills in all those gaps.
1: I still drive by the building that used to be Hot Rod Hunley's restaurant all the yeah. time. I, I yeah. think about it every time I drive by there because <laughs> we, we went there when I was a kid. We went to Hot Rod Hunley's restaurant, and more often than not, he was there.
0: Yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of stories uh, surrounding that uh, establishment.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So uh, that was very interesting and would encourage so folks to go where, ahead and consume, where can uh, consume see that. So it? Where, uh, where Amazon can Prime.
0: See Amazon Prime. You on Amazon okay. Prime, Gordon? I think I have that, yeah. Okay.
1: You think you do? You don't my, know? My, You're my not my sure? Kids,
0: my kids figure all that stuff. I say, hey, let's watch something, and then they all always know how to get to it exactly.
1: So your, your kids are actually the remote for your remote? <laughs> is, that, is that what you're saying? Your kids I, are, are your I remote could, control for the I, remote control? Uh, look,
0: I could figure it out if I wanted to, but uh, they, they seem to know all the ins and outs of that stuff, so they they like to. Let to me ask you this. That. Let
1: me ask you this. If, you, if you're in the basement alone and you want to watch something on television, do you call upstairs to your kids?
0: Uh, only if I can't figure it out on my own. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe sometimes there may be an occasional call for help maybe there are, there Taylor are certain, <laughs> there are certain <laughs> things that I do know how to handle I want you to know that but,
1: hey you, uh, you know what if you don't need to learn Gordon you, I, I get it
0: Oh, well, you know it's like Austin when, when I had to put the remote equipment together I mean he was all skeptical that I could you know plug in four different plugs we were all skeptical Oh, come on. What do you mean, oh, come on? It's not that complicated. Knock on wood. I haven't had The outlet didn't so work, far. but yeah. Well, yeah, but that was not my fault. I mean, we have, we have a faulty socket over there, and I plugged it into the bad one, and so it was doing weird things. You're right. I, I had doubts, and you have proven me wrong. This has gone quite smoothly, actually. I can't believe it. It's, it's four plugs and one button to push, I'm you shocked. guys.
1: Shocked. That uh, that has gone as smoothly as it has. What,
0: what, what kind of moron? Don't no, don't answer that.
1: Hey, easy there. Yeah. That's my buddy you're talking about.
0: What? Let's talk about me.
1: I know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my friend, you're uh, talking about. Take it easy on
0: my guy. Yeah. Well, I I can figure that out. Come on. I know how to do that. All as right. I told you, I'm a bit of a technical whiz when it comes to, you know, uh, giving this certain hat. Nothing? <laughs> okay. Oh, I forgot. Right. Uh,
1: except for like, you know, fixing your furnace and that sort of thing. Then, then you're on it.
0: Look, just because I couldn't shut the freezer door one time, and it was much more complex than the box of peas being in the way. It's like what you guys like to make fun of me for. It was, it was a technical thing that needed, there was a little trick to it that I had not been clued in on.
1: What about the time you asked Lisa where the bread was?
0: Okay, first of all, that was 37 years ago, all right And <laughs> and I was working long hours in Los Angeles at that time, and I was I was busy creating a career. And so I didn't spend a lot of time around the house. Why does it matter that you were in Los Angeles? Well, I was just filling in the detail.
1: How does that impact the story?
0: I was, or it, you just it, you it, just it, it, love telling people it, that you no, lived in Los Angeles. It gives time and place. Does it? Yes. <laughs> it took it took it would take me an hour, sometimes an hour and fifteen minutes to get home and to get to work back and forth. So it so, so that's that's two and a half three hours right there.
1: So it wouldn't be okay to not know where the bread was in Des Moines, Iowa. But in Los Angeles, California, it's fine.
0: In Des Moines, I would have had a little more time to find out where it was.